1: AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live, and interact with the podcasters in real time, as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello welcome to AI
2: Scouting on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carol Matchett. How are you, sir?
0: I'm all right, thank you. Looking forward to a long overdue final and hopefully reverting the first early errors of the Jurgen Klopp tenure.
2: Liverpool's first final under Jurgen Klopp was the League Cup final against Manchester City. They played the League Cup final against Chelsea this weekend. Karl Matchett, this is a big deal for us because it's been two years since we won anything and it'd be nice to start winning again.
0: Yeah, not wrong. I mean, we're always saying, you know, this team should have won more and if we don't win any more under Klopp you know because it's very very tight at the top end of the elite game then there will be regrets and and reasons for discussion of why we didn't win more well here's an opportunity to do so now everybody knows it's the most minor of the competitions that we can win but it is still a competition that you can win so there's there's no excuse for anything other than to go full throttle into this it's a trophy that Liverpool used to hold all the records for and Man City have equaled us in a couple of those in terms of the most wins overall and the most wins in a row. That has now been stopped this year, so it's time to get our crown back for this competition.
2: When I think of the great managers over the last 40 years in English football, I think of Paisley, I think of Ferguson, I think of Mourinho and I think of Guardiola. All of them prioritised this competition. All of them saw it as a way to kickstart the end of your season, either to win it and have that momentum, that added confidence towards the end of the season to go on and win further glory, or if you lose, it can be that big chip on your shoulder that you carry and gives you that extra motivation heading into the business end of the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we've just started, I think, from the Leeds game onwards, uh, a period of... Two weeks or so, and it's basically going to define just how successful our season can be overall. Um, obviously, we, we had that game, which was our league game in hand that we spoke about lots beforehand. It's all well and good being you know, six points behind City with a game in hand, but you have to win that game in hand, and we did that pretty emphatically. And there's a big, big difference between going into the next month of the season and across that period, winning the game in hand, closing the gap at the top, winning a trophy, going through in Europe and losing those three key games you know the the whole season it feels like we we're, we're doing really really well but if you don't perform at these key moments if you don't perform in this kind of a game where you've got the opportunity for a trophy it's dead easy to see the season derailed like in the space of 2 weeks you know you can go out of a a semi-final and a fourth round in the cup and go out of Europe all in the space of what 2 3 weeks sometimes we've seen it with Arsenal I don't know, about five times in the last mm. uh, 10 years, something like that, where, where they say oh, they look like they're ready, they look like they get back to where they are, and all of a sudden the season implodes. They don't have the big characters in the squad, they don't have the consistency in the team. Liverpool have been there previously, but this team is different. It has been different at key moments, and we've often seen that when the games come really thick and fast and when they really mean loads more, and when we have centre-backs available, which is the case this season, we generally do well. You know, A final is always a one-off you you can play well and lose it still, or there can be bad luck goes against you or whatever. But basically speaking, we do well in general when it comes to this point. And I think there's a lot of reason for optimism uh, for this game in particular and going forward into the next, I think, very, very key month of the season. And if this next month does go very well, then obviously optimism will go through the roof that the, the, the final two months of the season will be big as well.
2: I agree. I completely agree. We'll come on to Chelsea, but... I want to talk a little bit about the EFL Cup and Liverpool in the EFL Cup in particular. So, first question I have for you. The EFL Cup is now in its 10th name. It's been the Football League Cup, the Milk Cup, the Littlewoods Challenge Cup, the Rumble Cup, the Coca-Cola Cup, the Worthington Cup, the Carling Cup, the Capital One Cup, the EFL Cup and is now the Carabao Cup. Which one was your favourite?
0: rumblelows isn't that Absolutely. the right answer?
2: It is the only answer, yeah. even though it was only two years. it is the only
0: answer because it's the best it's Rumbelos. the best name yeah. It's the, yeah. it the best name. it had the best colours on the sponsor logo as well i think um i I would have to put coca cola cup probably second because that mm. was a period where i probably my my interest in football in general took off during the coca cola cup period, and uh, it, it's nice alliteration as well, which is always a positive. At the other end of the scale, I have to put the Carabao Cup. Was it called the Capital One Cup, did you say, as well? That was a Yes. Chance, that was rubbish. That's a, I'm not, I'm, no, no, I'm not having that. That's, that, that. That period doesn't count at all. But um, I don't think anything beats Rumble O's apart from the Zenith Data Systems Cup, maybe?
2: The Johnson's Paint Trophy, no? Yes, yes. The <laughs> antidoto
0: of the English world.
2: <laughs> right, so Liverpool have won this competition eight times. That's joint most at Manchester City. You go back nine years, Liverpool had won two, or won eight, and City had only won two, but they've won won six in that time. But Liverpool won it in 1981, 82, 83, all under Bob Paisley. Again, in 84, under Joe Fagan. They won it in 95 as the sole trophy of the uh, Roy Evans era. They won it in 01 as part of the treble season. They won it in 03, beating Manchester United and in 2012 under Kenny Dog Leach. Which of those was your favourite? I have mine. Let me hear yours first.
0: So, 2001 was always pretty big for me because of uh, Fowler in and out of the team at that point, and he came back in and scored that goal. And so I did love that. I loved the occasion that he played a big part in. And... I think that stays top. I mean, the United game obviously was big because it was United. Um, but I didn't have quite as good a, a setting for where I watched that one. So probably I'd stick with 2001.
2: I think that's a very fair answer. And I do think that cup win that season really was the springboard that allowed us to go on and yeah, win exactly that treble this before. year. Yep. And the crazy yeah. thing is they were all such... They were all such dramatic finals every one of them was a little bit mental in how they played out we did absolutely nothing the easy way that year that was what was so special about that treble you know you think of the FA Cup with the too late Michael Owen goals the UEFA Cup the 5-4 just how mental it was but this game went to penalties after we've been one up for an hour, they score in the last minute, and we end up going on to beat Birmingham on penalties. That was a particularly mental season, maybe the most mental season I can ever remember as a Liverpool fan.
0: I, I think what's nice about that is, as well, obviously from Liverpool perspective, not the other teams, is that the you know sometimes when you you get like the cup final against Arsenal, for example, where the team who really didn't deserve to win wins. Well, we were on both sides of that, as in we were the team who really deserved to win and we were the team who definitely didn't deserve to win, but we actually came out winning all of them. I mean, the, the UEFA Cup game was a complete nonsense because we both deserved to win and then didn't deserve to win and then deserved to win it by miles and then should probably not even have been in the fourth tier competition if UEFA had invented one at that point. We were mad in that game completely. Mm. So it was it was a, a real mix all of them completely drama-filled, like you say. I think it's probably a season that will never, ever be forgotten by Liverpool fans just because of the sheer volume of trophies that we won in that six-month period, probably for some some of the players involved as well. You know the, That was the Marcus Babel season, really, wasn't it? If you think yeah. about the number of games he played and the big, big goals that he popped up scoring, obviously one of Gerard's formative years in terms of being such a, a key player for the team as well. Um, so a, a, a season which has a lot of emotional ties I think even to fans to this day but uh look 10 years without winning a domestic cup I know there are a lot of football fans who don't really care about the domestic cups and Liverpool think, fans think that they should be aiming higher and in general yes you should but I think that Liverpool should be winning these trophies along the way as well I've always loved the cups I've always loved really good deep cup runs and we haven't had too many of them so I uh I think this is well overdue this year
2: same and I think also just for things like Klopp's own legacy. You know, when people talk about Guardiola, the manager, and they list all these magnificent things that he's won and, you know, nine league titles and two European Cups, but they never, ever forget to mention how many Cups he's won, how many domestic Cups. He's won five since coming to England. One FA Cup, four League Cups. He won two German Cups. He won two Copa del Rey's. You know, Mourinho the same, filled his boots in the cup, won the leagues, etc. But also always made sure to add those domestic trophies. Ferguson did the same, Wenger loved the FA Cup. And to be fair, late in his tenure at Arsenal, when they were no longer a contender in the league, he did take the League Cup more seriously. Never managed to win it, funnily enough, but did get to uh, three finals and lost each time. So, I, for just for Klopp himself, I'm, I'm happy to see him back in this final, and I hope that we can obviously take it home. My favourite League Cup final is the 95 one, the McManaman final, because a big part of it is I, I feel like Steve McManaman doesn't get the respect he deserves from Liverpool fans for a multitude of reasons, really. Number one, we didn't win the major honours with McManaman. He won an FA Cup early on with Souness. He won this League Cup and that was it for him. He's tagged as one of the Spice Boys. And unfortunately for him, he was let down by a lot of the senior players who were at the club at that time and didn't have the maturity about them or the, the real leadership about them. To maybe have a word with some of the younger players, the McManamans, the Fowlers, the Red Naps and say, we need to be a bit more serious here. We need to be a bit more focused here. Like, get that white suit off. You look like a fucking ice cream cone. We've got a football match to win. Things like that. McManaman is always tagged with that. And of course, how he left then as well, leaving on a free transfer, our best player leaving for nothing, was devastating to us as a club. But that wasn't on him. That was on the club who tried to flog him to Barcelona against his wishes and he then decided to take control of his career I think Steve McManaman is the most underappreciated great player that we've had and that final is one of his finest moments in a Liverpool shirt he was just sensational on the day and scored two great goals as we beat Jason McAteer and Bolton 2-1 in that final
0: yeah that's fair I think you know, obviously it might be out of memory for the the younger fans, but it was a, a really big occasion. It was still at the time when even the League Cup, as well as the FA Cup, was kind of an all-day build-up event as well, which I think really contributed to, to some of my early Cup memories. Um, I mean, for example, the FA Cup wins. My favourite is probably the Sunderland one, which was even before this Bolton Cup final. Uh, it's still one of the ones that I remember the most. And Same. again, that it was an all-day affair. And this one for the League Cup final, it was like the newspaper over breakfast and then there were interviews for about three hours on telly and then it was you know sitting down with your dad and watching the game and all the rest of it. So it's it's definitely a really big one that I remember and the occasion of it. And, and I remember that McManaman getting his interview on telly afterwards holding the little trophy that he got for his Man of the Match performance and everything. That's all very, very uh, vivid memory for me. So it's, I, I think... There was definitely a period there for maybe a couple of decades even where the League Cup was definitely looked down on a lot. But I, I I think that in recent years, aside from the fact that Man City keep winning it, I do feel that teams sort of see this and the FA Cup more so as a real route to, to potential silverware at the moment. I think there is a little bit of a resurgence on now. whether that will continue for a couple of years if teams like Liverpool now go on and try and reach the final a lot more than we have done in recent years because we've definitely got a bigger squad and a stronger squad at the moment than we had done even 2 years back something like that maybe that can't be the case anymore but for from a Liverpool perspective they're great getting to the final is great going to Wembley and all the occasion that goes for around for the travel and supporters and everything it is fantastic and well, you know the fact that we've only since what 2000 i think we've been we've won this competition 3 times it's not It's not enough, is it, for the for what was the record holders and the, the fantastic days that you can have as a a match-going supporter as well?
2: That's exactly the thing. That's also one of the great Liverpool kits that we wore at the time. And I don't know if you remember this, but that game was played on April 2nd. So it was the day after April Fool's. And on April Fool's Day, I think it was the Mirror, it could have been the, the Daily Star, ran a back page... With the headline Fowler and Rush out of Cup final as an April Fool's joke, and I remember seeing it, not thinking of what day it was, and been absolutely devastated by this news, and then being told later on by a grown-up or whatever it was that you know that it's probably an April Fool's joke, and then once I went back and actually read the story, it was an April Fool's joke. Uh, Liverpool's team that day. A team of icons. David James in goal. Uh, Rob Jones as the right wing back. Your all-time favourite player, Stigin Inge as the left wing back. John Scales right at the back three. Neil Ruddock in the middle and Phil Babb. Uh, I believe this was pre crushed testicles on the left side of the back three. Barnes and Redknapp in midfield and McManaman behind. Rush and Fowler. We made no substitutions that day. But the three lads on the bench, they often forgot Alec Chamberlain, Mark Walters and Michael Thomas, managed, obviously, by Roy Evans. And that Southampton team has some memorable players. Alan Stubbs, obviously, of Everton. Richard Schneekes, a good Dutch player. McAteer, Alan Thompson, who obviously went on and had great success with Celtic. Miksu Patalainen, who was one of the first Finnish players I'd ever heard of other than Yari Lippmannen. Uh, this was pre sammy Hippia becoming known to any of us. Um, yeah, yeah, a cracking day. And like you said, it was an all-day thing. It was a 5pm kick-off and there was an all-day build-up to it. And that's how it should be. Um, to have a look at the, the League Cup then, you, you just mentioned big clubs taking it seriously and it, it getting a bit more respect. If we look at the last 20 years And the last 20 finals actually begins with Liverpool 2, Manchester United 0. Now, Middlesbrough won it the next year, their first ever silverware. Then Chelsea, then United, then Chelsea, then Tottenham, then United, then United. Then Birmingham beat Arsenal in that big surprise. Then Liverpool, then Swansea. Massive moment for them, their first major silverware over uh, Bradford City, 5-0 in the final. Then United, then Chelsea, then City, then United, and then City the last four years. Barring Swansea, Birmingham, and Borough, for the last 20 years, it has been dominated by five of the big six. Arsenal, the only team not to win it, Tottenham with one, and then, you know, Chelsea with three, ourselves with three, ourselves with two, sorry. Um, United with a bunch and City with a bunch. Like, it, it has been something that the big clubs have focused in on. And I, I do think it's what I said earlier. It's that it's that way to really kickstart your, your engine for that run towards the end of the season. Mourinho, when he took over the, at Chelsea, the first thing he did, go and win the League Cup. Pep took over at, um, what do you call them? City went and won the League Cup. Mourinho took over at United, went and won the League Cup. Teams have taken this competition seriously, and managers have taken it seriously as well. Conte got to a final when he was at, um, oh no he didn't, it was Sarri that got to the final. That was the, the Kepa final, wasn't it, where he refused to come off. But again, Sarri, a top manager, targeting silverware. I do think it's something that fans need to be a little less snobbish about. I know everybody wants the Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues, but the League Cup is part of our heritage, and especially our heritage. As a club, it's something we took pride in that we're the team that's won this the most and now we've been caught up and that doesn't really sit well with me.
0: Nope, we should have the most in every single competition. we got a long way to go in the FA Cup but we were leading this for all eternity it seemed. So, yeah. you know, like you said, the the City five and six years was it? they won something like that. It was yeah. obvious that a team who spent and invested as much in the squad as they did could have that impact because they were one of the few who really had two first-team players for every position. I don't mean two options. I mean two first-team players. So it was kind of natural that they would do that. But, you know, if we win it, then we're, we're back ahead of them again. We're the sole leaders of this competition in terms of most wins. And it's always nice going into the the next season starting a competition as the reigning holders as well. I mean... Everybody made a big deal when we did win it, over being you know champions of the world, World Club Cup champions, and that kind of thing doesn't come around too often. Well, it's been ten years since we've won this competition as well, and that goes by very, very quickly. That can be like two team rebuilds, really, maybe even more yeah. than that if you if you get it horribly wrong, like Man United or something like that. So it, it is an opportunity. You know, Henderson, for example, is a is a a pretty good example of that being the only real player left in the sides than uh, was in that first. Clop final, for example. Um, Firmino, I know, but he's not in this one. I think Henderson's the only one at all left in the club from the last time we won it. Uh, he is. Henderson.
2: Henderson played in the 2011-12 final. He was taken off when the game was still nil-nil, and then Dirk scored late on. I think Henderson and Milner, and obviously Bobby. But like you said, he's he's yeah, not going Bobby to play this injured. weekend.
0: Milner's not going to play this weekend either, unless it's like the last five minutes of running around, is he? So.
2: It yeah, is pretty much good. just
0: just Jordan who's uh, remaining in the team. So, like I say, it's it's a rebuild over that period of time. It's possibly two or more rebuilds. This is an opportunity for this group of players now to, well, we keep saying it, but kickstart a really good run to the end of the season. I mean, we have won, is it nine in a row? We're we're on at the moment. So mm. there's a, there's a few areas of this game that I think we've got a really really good chance of being much much stronger than Chelsea right at this moment in time but at the same time they have picked up results themselves of late and it's not exactly going to be a walk in the park but we should be putting absolutely everything into winning this it's not like the community shield; where it literally doesn't matter if you win or not this does matter it doesn't matter the most but that doesn't mean that it doesn't matter
2: exactly and I don't want to hear from anybody that oh you only get x amount of prize money for winning it I genuinely don't care how much money the club gets from winning it. The club have enough money. It's not about the money they get from it. It's about bringing home that trophy. It's about putting it up on the wall. It's about the players having the medal. It's about fans having that day out. It's about fans getting to revel in a victory in a final. It doesn't matter what prize money is on show. Like Take that and shove it up your backside. Um Chelsea got to this final beating Aston Villa on penalties, Southampton on penalties, Brentford 2-0 and then Tottenham 3-0 on aggregate. A fairly difficult run all things considered, you know, all Premier League opposition. They did rotate for the first 3 games and they had their COVID issues going on around that Brentford game as well. We've obviously had a tough enough path to the final as well. We beat Norwich away Then we beat Preston away. We came back from 3-1 down against Leicester to get the draw and then beat them on penalties. We got hammered 0-0 by Arsenal at Anfield uh, when they parked the bus with 10 men and then beat them 2-0 at the Emirates to sneak our way through. Uh, So we've had a difficult run as well. And obviously, you know, a great turnaround having lost that game to um, to Arsenal 0-0. So... Both sides haven't had the Man City run. Both sides have clearly taken this tournament or this competition seriously. And I think we'll see both both sides go with strong teams on Sunday. But Jürgen has already said Kelleher will start for us. Now Keppa has been the cup goalkeeper for Chelsea. Do you think Kepa starts or does Mendy come back in?
0: First of all, and far more importantly, tremendous snide throughout. Tremendous snide there, Dave. I'm I'm very impressed. With I, I,
2: you know, it's something I pride myself on.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to say at the time, I didn't really think it might be the right moment, but you know what, I will do anyway. I, I suspect, I strongly suspect that Rush headline, out injured newspaper feature that you read might have been the, the catalyst for all this anger you're holding on to 30 years later, you know? It's but not 30 to, years later. I don't, I don't, don't want to delve too much into it.
2: <laughs> 27 years later and I'm not... Yeah, fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm you over think it start.
0: Now. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It sounds like you are, to be fair. yeah. Um, I think Kepa will start. I think that with Mendy getting thrown back in for the uh, Club World Cup final after he got back from AFCON duty... Probably because he played the big role in the Champions League final win and was you know, the first-choice goalkeeper and it's all that. But I wonder, therefore, whether it might be a case of he said, look, you're not going to play this one, Mendy's coming back and he's going straight in. But League Cup final day comes around, you're the goalkeeper who's helped us get there as well, and yes, you will play in that one. Um, Possibly a bit of, oh, I don't know, if it's needed, club-related redemption for him for being a complete ass during the last Cup final that they were there as well and refusing to come off a Sari. Uh, whether that still plays a part or anybody reminds him of it jokingly or otherwise I'm not sure but possibly all of these things combined sort of point to Kepper maybe being the one who gets the nod I mean Tuchel has said I can't be sentimental about it and just have to you know choose on the basis of who's going to help the team win the game but if that was the case he would have just said Mendy's in goal because he's first choice mm. goalkeeper uh, th- there's not really any You know, mind game's tactical advantage to be had by playing one over the other and not saying it, I don't think. I think Mendy's the better goalkeeper and it's as simple as that. So if he's not going to say, my first choice goalkeeper is playing in goal, I suspect it's Kepa.
2: If Tuchel has any bit of humour about him, if this game is heading for penalties in the 119th minute, he whips Kepa off and puts Mendy on, even though Kepa, to be fair to Kepa, He was right to to say to Sari, I'm a better penalty saver than fucking Willy Caballero, because he is. And he's got a fantastic record in penalty shootouts. But at the same time, it was a very petulant act. But if there's any little bit of humour in Thomas Tuchel, which I doubt there is, but if there's just a small bit, on 119 minutes when Kepp is starting to get himself psyched up for penalties, he whips him off the pitch and just watch him melt down, watch what happens, it, it, it could be great. Uh, is Liverpool's best course of action with Keppa in goal just to pepper him from long range, given his inability to save shots from outside the penalty area?
0: <laughs> Might be slightly harsh, but uh, look, I, I think the two things I think Keppa is weakest at is... No, I'm just going to pick the one. I think the weakest thing that Kepper is is when he is called to come and clear a little bit further off his line. Uh, so if you can get the players running in behind the fo- uh, behind the centre backs, but mm. not not right onside the six yard box, because obviously he doesn't come out he doesn't have to come out then. But if he's got to make decision making about coming outside of his six yard box, I think that's where he's still quite weak. Uh, I don't think his timing is always spectacular. Sometimes when he comes for crosses outside of that six yard box zone, it's He's got to go through a crowd of players, and he's a little bit uncertain. He tries to call for a foul, even though he's just run into the back of Antonio Rudiger. Um, that kind of thing is where I think his his uh, goalkeeping all round game is still lacking quite a bit. So, if it's him, by all means pepper him with shots because you gotta have shots to score and win the game. That's that's kind of part of uh, what we need to do anyway. And we've seen that we've had a little bit of success from striking from a little bit longer out uh, recently as well. But by and large. Liverpool aren't going to change the way that they construct and build up play and have efforts on goal, regardless of which goalkeeper's playing. It's going to be about our game and how we go about it and trying to construct in the normal way because it's going to be our normal team, more or less.
2: Agreed. Uh, You saw an example of what you've just mentioned with Keppa when we played them at Stamford Bridge in the game where Thiago came on at half time to make his debut and ran the show. Um, It was a ball over the box, and Keppa's hesitancy coming out that caused Andreas Christensen to have to make the foul on Sadio, which led to the red card, which obviously set the game up in our favour. He does not like contact. So, like you said, coming for a cross among the threes outside of his penalty area, six-yard box, he is not something he likes at all. He just does not like that contact, doesn't like to be challenged. He likes the sanctity of a six-yard box. And these are things that are fine. A lot of goalkeepers are like that. David De Gea is like that as well. It's just that Kepa doesn't have that one elite skill. Whereas De Gea is, is, or at least was, an elite shot stopper. Kepa doesn't have that to hang his hat on. If Kepa was a great shot stopper, I think a lot of the weakness in his game would be forgiven. But he he just isn't. He's a good shot stopper, and I do think he's a good goalkeeper. And I'm quite surprised. Excuse me, quite surprised by how badly things have gone for him at Chelsea. You obviously back in the day would watch a lot of La Liga. You saw him a lot at Athletic, Athletic Bilbao. Are you surprised by how badly things have gone, or was he always somebody you were very skeptical of?
0: Yeah, fairly to be honest. I mean the the season before he was linked with. Chelsea because they had to buy somebody. He was actually very, very heavily linked with Real Madrid, and there was talk about him coming in then as uh, the first-choice goalkeeper. Obviously, they eventually signed Courtois, which led to Kepa going to Chelsea. Um, I wrote about him then. I'd watched him there for the last 18 months. He'd been sort of breaking through there and became a a first-teamer quite quickly after his breakthrough. But he was very erratic. He was very emotional. He was very um, a little bit like... You remember how Joe Hart used to be, you know, when any, anything sort of bad went against him or any goal was conceded and he would have a, like a big, big go at his defenders. and Like Jordan Pickford? If, a little bit, yeah. I mean, Pickford, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't Jordan Pickford has
2: never, ever been at fault for a goal conceded.
0: I, I agree, but it's He wants it's you a to know that it's
2: always the defender's fault.
0: But because he's so small and his arms only sort of, you know, don't go out quite as far. When he flaps at his defence, it doesn't quite have the same area of authority as joe hart did where he was like quite an imposing figure and he just completely ignored the fact he couldn't dive to his left you know so that was his that was his weakness and just blamed the defense for not closing people down in the opposite direction so that they had to shoot to the right and it was a bit like that you know He was always very shouty and aggressive towards his defense and towards the referee and you know claiming for things if it had gone against him instead of just being able to reset basically and focus, but he was a very young goalkeeper at the time. You know, that's, that's quite easy to overlook. And I've said before, I do find it personally a bit more tricky to judge the ceiling of goalkeepers because they can look electric, like ridiculously good from a very young age due to shot stopping. And that mm-hmm. is, in my opinion, one of the smallest parts of goalkeeping now. You know, if you can't save shots, if you don't have reflexes, if you don't have um you know the coordination of where your hands need to be when you're diving you're not a goalkeeper. it's as simple as that but to be a good goalkeeper you need so so much more which i don't think an awful lot of it comes when you're a teenager 20 years old that sort of thing even if you're in a first team environment you need games and you simply can't get that until you are older because you need the passage of time Um, so i do find it a bit difficult to judge it but because of that mentality and because of that uh you know the frequent outbursts that i saw i just i thought he was too immature to be a, a goalkeeper at a team like real madrid at the time and i said if they sign him it needs to be basically with a view to him coming in the team in three years you know he goes out on loan and then maybe has a, a season as a, a backup goalkeeper and then maybe after that you'd be ready to put him into the first team on a semi-rotating basis with at the time it was Alves, obviously. And it didn't obviously work out that way. And he went to Chelsea as a first-choice goalkeeper straight away. And you know, he wasn't ready, to be perfectly honest. He is better now than he was then. He makes yeah. a few errors now. No, yeah, I mean, he he, looked, he made a lot of errors at the beginning, which, coupled with the massive price tag that he had, probably made him look worse than he was. But he wasn't mature enough to be a consistent, elite-level goalkeeper at the time anyway.
2: I I do think he's salvageable. I think he's a better goalkeeper than what we've seen at Chelsea. I just don't think it's going to work for him there. I think there's been too much of a spotlight shone on him. The transfer fee obviously is not his fault. The fact that he came in on a seven-year contract that Chelsea talked up about, this is our guy and he's here for the long term and he's going to be loyal and he wants to be here, which all of that was a dig at Thibaut Courtois, who had spent... 18 months trying to manufacture a move out of there all of that put too much pressure on him and look when he started off in the team he kept six clean sheets across a 12 match unbeaten run and looked absolutely fine and then things started to go downhill rapidly I do think another club could take him and rehabilitate him and get him back to being Never a great goalkeeper, but maybe a very good one. The problem is he's got three and a half years left on that mammoth contract at Chelsea, and Chelsea are either going to want a substantial amount of money or you'll have to take him on loan and pay all of his wages and a loan fee. And I don't know that anyone's going to be willing to do that. So unfortunately for Kepa, he may find himself in a position in a couple of years where he is a free free agent who would be 25 years of age. And sorry, 31 years of age in 2025. And uh, basically having sat on the bench for most of the previous seven years and not able to command much of anything. Um, in front of him, then what I'm expecting is the back three with Christensen, Thiago Silva and Antonio Rudiger. Do you think there'll be any change from that?
0: The only possible change is Christensen now, Aspi Lagueda in the centre and Reese James on the right, mm. and he is only just back in full training. I think he's had two full sessions now. Yes. Uh, Tuchel has said that he's looking really good and really sharp and very impressive and all the rest of it, but I think it's still a big, big ask for him to just step back into a cup final. as his first game back after a couple of months out. So, yes, I think that that is exactly the three, and obviously Aspi on the on the right and Alonso on the left.
2: Alonso on the left, yeah. What Tuchel said of Reese James today... He looked brilliant in the last two training sessions. Let's wait another session and let's see if I'm crazy enough to put him on the pitch. Put him on the pitch is an interesting way of saying it. Now, I know English isn't Tuchel's first language, but he didn't say crazy enough to start him. He said put him on the pitch, which to me means at best he might make the bench. Um, to put him in against us after what must be three months out with that thigh injury would be lunacy absolute lunacy. I know he's a bit of a monster and he's a bit of a machine, but three months out with a thigh injury, you don't put him back in for a cup final against Liverpool on that massive pitch at Wembley. That would be suicidal by Thomas Tuchel.
0: So we've agreed today that Tuchel has neither humour nor is that crazy.
2: Yes, basically. He's crazy enough to be a serial killer who buries bodies under his own house, but not crazy enough to start Rhys James in the final. Um,
1: in it's midfield, a thin line to
2: tread. It is. It's a very thin line. But he, he walks it well. He walks it well. Um, in midfield, he normally goes with a two. But I wonder if he might go with a three and play two up top rather than the normal three. I wonder if we might see all three of Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic start in the middle of the pitch to try and match up with our three in midfield
0: uh possibly but i think that the only way they do that is by start and mount and still leave out one of the others because i think then mount is sort of that bridge between them being a 352 out of possession and then still being able to break into a, a three and attack and we've seen them sort of rotate really between playing an out-and-out three up front or having the centre-forward be someone who can drop in and and play much deeper at times. um, Two forwards either side of a a striker. We've seen them be very, very narrow at times, the wider players. It is quite a, a rotating cast there, but most of that is because he hasn't quite found the right formula for it yet. He hasn't really found A3 who work well together relentlessly in consistency and have on-the-ball stuff that he wants and that they need in an attack, but also do all the off-the-ball stuff that he demands off them. Um, Mount hasn't been in great form over the last little while of time, and he had a little injury there as well.
1: No.
0: So I don't know that he starts this game. And if he doesn't, then I, I I understand what you're saying about matching us up, but I honestly think that if you play Kante, Kovacic, and then Jorginho presumably behind them, you should, you're going to struggle at times to get out of that shape, especially if you know Liverpool do have sustained um, periods of possession where all three of them have to be quite deep, and the wing backs are going to have to be quite deep. Aspillaga and Alonso are like really good for their system, but neither of them are lightning quick. Neither of them are going to be able to you know take a take a counter attack sixty yards up the field in just a few seconds in the way that. Um, say Andy Robertson does, for example. But
2: Kovacic and Kante can both do
0: that. Both of them are like elite ball carriers for sure. But I don't think that just though just one of them, more than likely, because you know, one one of them will be the other side. So if one of them wins the ball, it's not entirely likely that both of them are going to be able to get forward in the same dangerous areas. And you're probably not going to have two very, very quick players up front unless you're suggesting that Lukaku and Timo Werner are the front two. I would have thought Havertz is a, a definite to start this one, though.
2: I, I assume Kai Havertz will start. Uh, that would be my assumption. Um, it, I mean, if it was me, if it was me, I, the, the team wouldn't be set up this way. But it's neither here nor there. I'd be playing Kai behind Werner and um, and Lukaku as my front three. And I, I just, I don't think. Mason Mount's had a little bit of a dip. I think he's been flat-out awful for a couple of months now. Um, (laughs) I don't want to talk about
0: for the final, you know?
2: He just hasn't been playing well. And if you look at across the course of the season, if you look at his open play goals and assists, it's really not good reading for a player who does play in that final third. It's been a disappointing season for Mount, which was always going to happen because he'd had two such good seasons. He was always going to tail off a little bit. He's still an excellent player, but... I don't think he warrants starting in this final. I think Havertz behind those other two would make more sense. But obviously, Tuchel likes to play two behind the one rather than one behind the two. So if we assume it's a two in midfield, does he go with that Champions League winning pair of Kante and Jorginho? Does he go Kovacic and Jorginho? Or does he go Kante and Kovacic and try and, you know, you go all that energy? Because that one, to me, is the riskiest one. Yes, you'll win a ton of ball, but you don't have anyone who'll sit and protect that defence. And Jorginho's not brilliant at it, but he is diligent at it and he does have very good positioning and reading of the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, his natural position will be slightly deeper than the others and he's not going to break forward as often either. Um, I, I do think, well, I mean, Kante is a pretty much definite starter unless he's injured again. So I think that they'll go with Jorginho and him and Kovacic will be the one off the bench. But... I mean they played Kovacic and Kanté together against Lille. It was fine, you know, it wasn't it didn't not work or anything like that. They played Jorginho and Kanté against um, Crystal Palace again perfectly fine and they've played that lots and lots of times before. So there's options there. They've even played a back four quite often recently as well. I don't expect that, that will be the case now that they've got enough people to 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 play wing back again and don't have to rely on like Kennedy coming back off loan to play or anything. Um but I, I I would still be surprised if they went with a three to match us up in midfield, unless, like I say, it is Mount who plays that in-between role for them.
2: Right, up front then. Uh, Hacking Zajic has been much improved over the last probably three months as compared to what had come before from him in the Premier League. Uh, he did pick up a bit of a knock, but he is fit and good to go for the final. Uh, Kai Havertz has been... Playing well and scoring some important goals, still a little bit underwhelming. But I think they do look a much better team when he plays as that false nine. I think it's a little bit awkward when it's him and Lukaku as two-thirds of that front three. Especially in the games where Mount or Zayic is the other one. And you've got no real dynamic pace that will go wide. Everything like Lukaku is quick but he wants to get central. Mount is quick for a midfielder but not quick for a forward player. Havertz and pace is not something that they've 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 become accustomed to. And as you mentioned earlier, they don't have that pace and drive from the wing back. So what do you think he does? Is there the potential here for a Christian Pulisic start or a Timo Werner start? Or do you think he sticks with the guys that have at least been playing well? Or in the case of Lukaku, that his owner has told him, look, I paid £100 million for this boy. Don't have me do what I did to Mourinho after Shevchenko and Ancelotti after Torres. You get him in the team somehow.
0: Uh, I don't think he starts this one, no. Um I don't doubt that there are questions from above, but in all honesty, I wonder whether the, Mr. Owner, sir, he might have a few other things on his mind this week as well. Um, I imagine... Christian Pulisic gets the nod. I don't think Timo Werner's done enough and I think Pulisic's recent form after he's again fit for the most recent time has been pretty electric in in spurts. Not not for the whole game, not for ridiculously consistent on the ball, always the danger man kind of outlet like Salah is for us, for example, but at times he looks very, very sharp and he does stay wide and he is really, really quick and he can carry the ball as well. That's, that's something that Chelsea have quite a lot of players in their squad who can do. Even like Timo Werner, if he's not... Yeah playing superbly or he's not reliable in front of goal he's still a really good ball carrier for them so I think Ziyech right Hallett through the middle and Pulisic left
2: so you've got Mount and Lukaku as options off the bench which is obviously a big plus for them and then Kovacic as well as a midfielder I mean it is a strong team but it's not a team that we should fear it's a team that we can absolutely go and beat so let's talk about our team then We know Kelleher is starting in goal. Now, he's obviously done very well in this competition thus far. But there is still part of me that just thinks, just play your best team and and play Alisson. But Kelleher hasn't let us down and he has shown, you know, enough to warrant this start, certainly in the cup anyway.
0: 100%. I have no issue with Kelleher being in goal at all. If, you know, Ali once or twice a season tends to be out for a few games with injury i have no worries about this anymore this is mm. this is a very very different situation than to be honest liverpool have been in in my watching time since david james and brad friedel were battling for the number one spot and not because they were both elite but because they were both around the same level so around it didn't seven. make a huge yeah they didn't make a huge amount of difference at the time and it
2: frustrated me for years that brad friedel went on to be a really good goalkeeper with Blackburn and, and Spurs and, and wherever else he played till he was about 80. And we ended up stuck with David James, who just became Calamity James.
0: Yeah, that was uh, especially disappointing because at the time, well, one, I hadn't seen him play too much beforehand because, you know, there wasn't a lot of access to Galatasaray matches around about that time. Um, but also it was like a two-year chase trying to get him because he failed a work permit application mm. the first time around. And then there was you know the delay for the for the next season's um transfer registrations after i think it was march it used to close in around that time so it was like the following season that we got him for wasn't it or well, halfway through that season i think it was so yeah. it was uh, a long long time coming and then it was a bit of a letdown in the end yeah he
2: played 31 games across 3 seasons left us for blackburn was there 8 years i didn't realize he was there that long played 358 games for them, then 131 games for Villa, and then 67 for Spurs, was first choice for a year at the age of 40, and retired at the age of 43. Uh, yeah, like you, it was it was that long wait for him, while he satisfied the, uh, the Boffins with their work permits. Anyway, let's move on into the defence. Trent will start, Robbo will start, Virgil will start, the Only question mark in the defence is that right-side centre-back role. I would have said that Ibu Kanate might be worthy of the call considering Joel had struggled through the previous three league games. But Joel played really, really well against Leeds and got his goal, went on his big adventure, played the 1-2 and created the greatest moment any of us have ever witnessed, not just in football but anywhere (laughs) in the world. Joel Joel has to start, surely.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I said before the Leeds game that I thought whoever started that match would start the final as well. I think it's a few areas that you want to have positions and partnerships in uh, in a in a good run, in a good routine going into a final. So that was always going to be one of them, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's clock. We could just see Kanate just rock up there anyway because he decides to, but I, I think it's... Probably safer to think that Joel will. Yeah, yeah,
2: I think so. I think so. Um, the, we'll come to the midfield because it's the only other place so with a question mark. The front three will be Salamane and Diaz. If Jota's fit enough to be on the bench, he'll be on the bench with Divok and maybe Taki if there's room. Hopefully, there'll be room because Taki has played as big a part, if not a bigger part, than anybody at helping us get here.
0: Yeah, definitely so. Um, he's had a, a really big role to play. I mean, Klopp picked out a couple of the youngsters um, earlier on today, I think it was, uh, who had played you know, in the earlier rounds, Tyler Morton, Kate Gordon, and uh, Connor Bradley, I think it was. Um, but Tacky has had a really big role to say. I mean, very, very simply, the Leicester game. You know, We, we wouldn't yeah. get this far. We wouldn't get through all those almighty struggles in the two defeats against Arsenal in the semi-finals without that Tacky intervention. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if if we were in a position where going into the closing stages of the game, we were ahead by more than a goal perhaps if he is like the final sub that Klopp opts to make as a yeah. as a thank you.
2: Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully four goals in the competition so far. Uh, Divock has two which is good. Uh, Jota has three and Ox scored our other one. That one was against Leicester. He scored the the first of our three against Leicester when we went 2-0 down. So yeah, um, in midfield. Now, look, the midfield is Fabinho Thiago plus one. I, I think we agree on that. My assumption is that Jordan Henderson will start on the right of the midfield. It's It's the likely thing to happen. But it's not necessarily the warranted thing. And I think if you look at across the course of the season and across recent games, Naby has been better than him, especially when starting. Henderson's best performances have come off the bench. Well, the the best one came off the bench against Inter. He had a good last 30 against Norwich when things got changed. And he was okay and he got an assist against Leeds. Didn't do anything spectacular. Gave the ball away cheaply a couple of times, but did get his assist. I assume he starts, but is there any possibility Jürgen goes a different way here?
0: Uh, No, I think it's Henderson, and I think it's kind of in the same boat as uh, Matip, to be fair, um, in that you can say across the last month, Canate would be in. Across the last month, probably Cater would be in. Um, We have eight options for midfield right now, which is unheard of for Liverpool, to be perfectly honest, but over the last one or two, well, over the last one, let's say in midweek, who played well? Well, I think Matet played well, and over the last couple of games, you can point to a couple of much improved performances from Henderson. While a few of the others have been in and out. Now, I don't think Cater played badly when he was uh, when he got his last start, but
2: no, I thought he I thought he was better than Henderson against Norwich for the sixty they were together. Yeah, and he was just as good when he came on against Inter. And if we look across the season, there's no question Naby's been better. And I don't like think I say, he will for this game
0: though.
2: No, I don't think he will, but Henderson's better performances have come as the sixth or as a sub, not as a starting eight. So I mean that might just that's that's just the argument against him. He he hasn't mm. been good as an eight this season. The only good number eight performance you can point to for him this season is Everton in the Derby. And to his credit, he was very good that day. But that's one game out of 15 that he's played
0: there? I think it's... I mean, Cater is the only one who I think could be put in a reasonable case for saying, I should start, to be honest, because all the others have had good moments or a good game, but also a few where they haven't. Elliot is obviously still working his way back from injury, so that's completely normal. Jones, we know, is in a really weird situation at the moment where he's either starting in, in, in midfield in the 11 or not in the... 19-20 Nineteen twenty for the matchday squad, so it's just a bizarre situation for him. And I, I, I've been trying to work out the subs, and I think mm. it's either him or Tacky again for the final bench spot this weekend. So it might be a case where he's not in the team, starts and plays well, and then misses out entirely on the cup final day as well. Um. I, 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 we had this conversation before, so I don't, I don't want to repeat everything. You know, for people who are listening twice, but I do think that there are other things at play rather than just performance levels. Uh, on on the pitch, and that is why Henderson is going to play this game. I mean, he is club captain, and he is a big player for club, and he is someone he relies on. And none of those things can be, you know, questioned, re- rightly or wrongly, regarding form and all the things that go alongside who should be in the team on any given week. When it comes to a cup final or any you know big massive match, generally speaking, you expect the bigger name or bigger. Um, standing in the squad players to be in the team. Now, the big thing about Klopp is that one he doesn't care about that all the time and if someone is like playing particularly poorly, he will leave them out and he doesn't really care. And the other thing is that he has the reputation and the standing to get away with that even if it's, you know, 55 minutes into the match, if it's not going right, if it's because Henderson isn't doing his job, he will be fast off. It is as simple as that. And that's that's a big thing for me, I think, because some managers don't dare do that some managers have players who won't let them do that some clubs allow players to dictate when that happens or not but we have at this moment in time got a very rare mix of players who are have quite a lot of humility to them even as good as they are not just henderson here but many many of them in the squad and a manager who basically has the uh, has the nous, has the reputation and has the mentality and relationship with his players to get away with doing exactly what he needs to at any minute of the game.
2: That's fair. Uh, this will be Jordan's sixth real final for Liverpool. His third in the League Cup, two Champions Leagues and obviously the World club, World, club, World club Cup Final. It would be nice if in the sixth one he put in his first good performance in a final for us. That would be, would be a nice change of pace from the club captain. Um, But I I do expect he will start, and if he is poor, I hope Klopp does have the the gumption to pull him off and sit him on on the bench, because that is what should happen. Um, Let's talk about the bench, though, quickly, because Ali will be there, Joe Gomez will be there, Costas will be there.
0: Willie, there's Willie. I'm I'm already going to question one of these. Who? Gomez.
2: Why would Joe not be on the bench? Because, because canate's on the bench
0: yes we have nine subs
2: okay so right if we go if we look at yeah because Milner's going to be on the bench
0: yeah I've got, I've got go seven to definites. Go
2: to somebody else
0: yeah I've got seven definites
2: Mil- okay so you've got
0: ali Allison costas and canate as your you know defender and goalkeepers uh Milner because and then yeah. nabby as well Elliot oh. as a third midfielder yeah. Jota assuming he's fit enough, and Origi as yeah. the forwards, and that leaves one spot, which is out of Jones, Gomez, and Taki. Oh, wow. Oh, and Ox, who I've completely overlooked.
2: And Ox and Taki deserve this because they've played big parts in getting us here.
0: So I think all of a sudden, it might be one of Ox and Elliot to be on the bench.
2: Does Divok deserve to be on the bench?
0: Divock will be regardless, because he's come on for the last couple of games. Yeah,
2: it's true. Good. Plus, it's Divock, so it's a final. So he's going to turn up and score. Twice. Yeah. I mean, Divock's coming on and, and winning Man of the Match is what's happening. Yeah. We're we're going to be 2-1 up. Divock's going to come on get an 18-second hat-trick and win Man of the Match and then go back to sleep until the next big game comes up. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. I don't think Gomez is going to make it, because Milner's going to take a position from... Gomez and a midfielder because he's a midfielder and the back of right back. If anything happens to Trent, so Gomez probably won't make the final. That'll go down well when they try and convince him to stay in the summer. Um, I don't think Curtis makes it. I think Curtis I got the it. start in midweek because he's not making the bench for the final,
0: and he played really well. He did I play really well. I want to, to ask
2: the... you about that. I did want to ask you, because obviously we haven't had a chance to talk. Curtis Jones playing in that right-sided midfield role, that more attacking role, the one I have said all season, is he is more suited to, while others, and I believe Lubo is in the chat, so hello, Lubo. Lubo <laughs> told me he was well-suited to the left-sided role, where he's been bang average most of the season. Curtis in that right-sided role, I thought he played really well. I thought he, he floated about, got involved in the attacks, found himself as the furthest man forward at times, linked really well with Trent and with, with Mo, had some nice interchanges with Thiago. I thought Curtis was really, really good, and it's only just clicked at me now that that's probably why he started, is because he's not getting in the final squad.
0: Yeah, What did I you think of Curtis so. anyway? Uh, Look, I think during the game he was brilliant I think there was a lot more energy to his game uh, a lot more aggression in how far forward he was able to press obviously because he was in that right-sided role he was a lot more on the front foot he was uh, quite noticeably sprinting back after the few times that he'd lost possession, Uh, a couple of times I think he lost it with a pass or tried to dribble it and was the one who ran back and made the tackle in our own half of the pitch I think that shows that one he probably knew that a cup final bench spot was at stake and also he had maybe been had another one of those conversations uh, with Jurgen i i think it lets him off the leash a lot more you know when he's on that side of the pitch and when he's in that more adventurous role i think he has the you know the creativity and the willingness to try a few different things i think he link, linked up really well with Salah a few times and he was able to get into a few more dangerous areas with the quick exchange of the passes uh, i think it it suits him very, very well. I think if we did play a proper box formation with two central midfielders and two, then the left of those two attackers would suit him. But when he's on the left and has to be more restrained, you don't get that oh, yeah. infield adventurism from him, uh, which is fine. I think he still does that other job really well, but it's just, there's a lot to learn positionally for him and a lot to learn in terms of releasing the ball really, really quickly. But you saw a number of times, like he was he was able to be the one to come into the centre of the park into a real number 10 zone, and receive the pass between the lines between two or three defenders from Thiago, from Fabinho, because they already have that. They have that ability to, to scan before they receive possession and make the pass count, basically. So it, it was a really good run-out for him. I thought he might play the whole match, to be perfectly fair. And I think in terms of, like, we talk about Matip, for example, played well enough to win a spot in the in the team. I think Jones played well enough to earn a spot on the bench. problem is that there are too many options. Like, it is it is a case of if you put Jones in, you cannot have Oxlade-Chamberlain on the bench. It's one or the other, because they both fill the same role.
2: That is true. That is true. Um, go, go through, right, we've got Ali, Costas, Kanati, they're nailed on. Milner and Naby, you would have to believe, are nailed on. Milner to come on with five minutes to go to volley someone up in the air. And Naby, just so Klopp can tease him, and he doesn't put him on as he continues to, you know, ruin whatever confidence Naby had left. Um, that's five. Jota is six. Who did you say was your seventh nailed on one? Harvey? Origi. Origi, yes. Origi. So it's two from Harvey, Jones, Ox, and Tacky. I have to believe Klopp will put Tacky on the bench because he's gotten us here.
0: And he's a forward.
2: And he's a forward. Four. So it is one then from from Ox, Harvey, and Jones. I I, I have to think that it's, it's going to be Harvey.
0: Do no, you think Ox because he's the senior?
2: I would. I, see, the thing is... I would say Harvey's the least deserving because he missed. Did he, did he play in the first game? Did he play in the first game? I don't know if he played against West. No, Norwich away. But like he's barely featured in this competition. Ox and Curtis have played regularly in this competition for us. They've played a big part in getting us here. And two of the three are going to miss out. Now, I think in- I think I'm right in saying that if you've played in the competition, you're entitled to a medal. So they'll get their medals anyway. But still, this is that's a bit of a shit situation.
0: Yeah, it might be an easier conversation for Klopp to have with him um, because he hasn't played in you know the the run all the way through. To be fair, and say it's you know it's fair on the teammates because I think that that's probably something Elliot, as a, a younger player, would be okay with. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's very possible. It is very possible that he. But does he then, should he then do the same with with Kanate with and say, look, Joe Gomez is the more senior figure. You'll have your chance.
0: Is he? He's third choice, though. It's a bit of a difference, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, that is, see, like, again, this goes back to the lack of, of real merit, because if we were picking the bench on merit, James Milner isn't there and one of Curtis or Ox is there instead of him, and then it's the other one versus Harvey for the last spot. Because they've done more to get us here than James Milner has on the pitch. Forget about intangibles.
0: The only other addition I would say is if Jota's not fit, then obviously Tacky takes a a spot for sure, but I would say also Ox definitely gets in because he's the only other one who can can properly play in the the forward line. Yeah.
2: Yeah, to be fair, it, a lot does depend. And and this, the mad thing is, this is without Bobby. Yep. Like, if Bobby was there, Bobby's on the bench, and then, then someone else Would is, not be
0: in the conversation.
2: Tacky's likely not even in the conversation. That's the it's thing. A, which it's a far cry
0: funny. from deciding which of our under-18s might possibly get a run. As or the when,
2: which of them's actually starting in midfield, because yes. our midfield is playing at centre-back. Yeah. Um. It's the same thing with the goalkeeper. It's a far cry from the 2016 League Cup final, where Simon Mignolet started in goal, and our backup goalkeeper was Adam Bogdan mm. on a bench that included the likes of a washed Colo Touré, Adam Lallana, John Flanagan, the Welsh Jesus Joe Allen, Christian Benteke, and Divock Origi. Christ. And that was a game where we started with Lucas Leiva at centre-back, next to Mamadou Sacco. Lost Sacco injured. after 25 minutes,
0: yeah.
2: uh with some sort of knee slash head injury that was really weird. Uh Nat Klein and Albi Moreno at full-back. Can I interest you in either of those? Not today. Uh, James Milner playing wide on the right in a 4-2-3-1. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, how things change. Jesus Christ, that's an ugly-looking team. The left. A
0: bit better these days.
2: The left side of it was okay. Tackle was okay. Albi's fine. Emre on the left of the midfield, Bobby behind Studge and Coutinho on the left wing. That was okay. All the ugliness was on the other side, including the goalkeeper. Um, Christ. I mean, you look at City's team: company, Fernandinho, uh, F- uh, Fernando, oh, Fernando, and Fernandinho. Yaya, David Silva, Raheem Sterling, and Sergio Aguero.
0: We Fair did well to say, get penalties.
2: We did very well to get the penalties, considering that when Sacco went off, it was Lucas Leiva and the ghost of Colo Touré at uh, at centre back for sixty-five seven, yeah, sixty-five minutes. No. Yeah, 65 minutes and extra time. That is a fair effort. It really is a fair effort. Um, Right, we might as well wrap up. Let's do one more thing, because I did this yesterday on Two Footed, and I want your view on this. A combined Liverpool-Chelsea-11. Now, I want you to be as unbiased as you can in this, but I'm going to give you mine, and I want you to tell me if you disagree and where you disagree. Okay? Mm-hmm. We're going 4-3-3 because, well, it's just a better formation than whatever it is Tuchel's doing. So I've gone Allison as the goalkeeper. Now, this is taking into account everyone at the club. So I've gone Alisson as the goalkeeper. I've gone Trent, Joel, Virgil, and Robbo. I've gone Thiago, Fabinho... Kovacic or Kante as the third midfielder. I'll accept arguments for both. I think it's one of them. I don't mind which. Kovacic gives you more of an attack-minded game while being good defensively. Kante can contribute to the attacking game while being great defensively. And then up front I went Salah. Havertz as the false nine, Ala a young Bobby. And then any of Diaz, Mane and Jota on the left. I will also accept Mason Mount as the right-sided eight because I think he'd be absolute dynamite under Klopp in that role. So do you disagree anywhere? What What do you disagree with? Is there any more Chelsea players you'd bring in? Is there any I've included that you'd leave out?
0: Um, I I really, really, really like Andreas Christensen but I don't know that I like him so much to put him in ahead of Matip. So I'll leave Fair. your defence as it is. I'll leave your midfield He as is it their is.
2: best centre-back, by the way. We should point that out. He is, by while, the way. While. while Silva, who's washed completely, and is only good if the game's in front of him and everything's tucked in round him, and Rudiger, who's a fucking lunatic, get all the, the hype and praise, he's their best centre-back, and he's going to leave them on a free this summer. In all likelihood. Um, yeah, I, I, he is the one that you, you would take, especially for a back four, because Silva and Rüdiger are a mess in the back four. Christensen will be the one. I think him next to Virgil could be better than Joel next to Virgil. But we know what Joel next to Virgil looks like. We don't know what Christensen would look like. So I think Chris, uh, Virg, uh, Joel is the safer choice.
0: Uh, Midfield, I agree that Mount under Klopp would be fairly scary to deal with, but by the same token, if we're appointing Klopp the manager of this de facto team, then Kovacic under Jürgen Klopp would be um, soul-destroying for every single opponent they ever come across on the planet, and possibly beyond.
2: That is the one. He, He is like, if Klopp could go into a lab and make a midfielder, I think he comes out with Kovacic. Mm. I really do. I, I I just think he'd adore having him.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, um, I'm not going to say any more on that because otherwise I'll be finishing this podcast in tears. Uh, <laughs> in attack, it's got to be Salah, obviously. I, I would have Kovac- uh, Kovacic. I'll have Kovacic in attack as well. I love him that much. I would have That's Havertz. Cool. <laughs> I'd have Havertz as the nine, but I don't think we've seen anywhere near what he's capable of while he's been at Chelsea. I know there's been an improvement recently in his played an important role and he you know he scored the winner in Champions League final which is not a bad thing to do yeah but like at the moment is... he's basically just a 70 million pound Divock Origi
2: is what he is. He turns <laughs> up in big games scores a goal and fucks off for three months
0: yeah I, I think we're still only seeing like 70 percent of what he's actually capable of he was much much better in the behind closed doors period with Leverkusen than he has been at any point with Chelsea so there's more to get out of him problem is that they obviously bought a, a big Romelu Lukaku shaped forward. To, uh twister to see how they i'm gonna put mount there as his as the uh withdrawn nine and then i will have whoever you want on the left i can't remember who you picked in the end
2: i said diaz manny or jota i can live with any of the three of them right
0: i'll go for mount oh. in the side based on what's happened over the last two years yeah, uh-huh. I think that's fair. I think that's fair,
2: and he can drop into a diamond. Mount is is a tremendous player, and there's you know there's a wonderful world where he doesn't sign a new contract at Chelsea and gets really fed up with you know just the whole Chelsea of it all, and in 2024 becomes a free agent, and Jurgen just goes and gives him a big hug, and we get it. Twenty-five-year-old Mason Mount heading into his prime, coming to Liverpool—that would be great. It would involve Klopp having to do a new contract as well, but you know, we'd live with that part as well, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's it. I think there's two, and you have two as well. You've got Mount and Kovacic. I'd have Kovacic and Kai. That's that's it. And I don't know that there's a strong case for any of their players getting in anywhere, Bar Christensen the one, I mean, Reese James is very good, but he's nowhere near Trent. Chilwell's good, he's not near Robbo. Um, he, the the other of Kante, Kovacic, they'd be taking each other's position. They're not getting in over Fabinho as a holder, or Thiago as a controller, and you know, like, I mean, they can they can take Hakim Ziyech and keep him forever, as far as I'm concerned, because he's a one good game out of four kind of guy. Um, you're right, when you say Klopp would be the manager, because Klopp is just a better manager than Thomas Tuchel. And I think even Thomas Tuchel would admit that. So all things considered, this is a game we should win. Is it a game we will win, Carl? Give me your prediction.
0: Yes, yes, it is. Two one to us, I'm going to go. Um, it's pretty close between these two teams all the time, but we are in better form. We've been in more convincing winning form as well. And also we have our forward players and our forward overall play our attack and momentum is a lot more cohesive than theirs is right now simple as that um, the last couple of games they've been all right and they've done really good bits and it's been some really sharp moments from Pulisic like I mentioned but I still think it's a bit individualistic I still think that they're lacking in the wider areas uh, from from wing back without Reese James being there for example and I don't think that this is going to be a game where either team have You know the whole game, and they they should win sort of thing. I think Mm. this will be one which goes backwards and forwards again, but yeah, I'm going to go for 2-1 because we have Mo and we have Origi.
2: Yeah, that's the thing, and football without Origi is nothing. I think if we can get an early goal and draw them out of their shell, they're going to be in big trouble. I also don't think they can park the bus and defend for 90 minutes on that monster of a pitch at Wembley. I think they're going to find that Thiago Silva gets exposed in this game and any time we can drag him into space by his, by himself in a one v one, he he's going to look p- pretty poor. Especially if Mane is playing through the middle. Uh, Guy has given us some wonderful content here from Gabby Agbon, Lahore, a Combined eleven, Mendy in goal. Um, the glue is strong. Uh, Trent Rüdiger is the right side centre back. He has I don't know if he's ever played there in his life. Uh, Van Dijk and Robbo. Uh, He's gone for the midfield three. And now sit down for this one, Carol. Uh, Elliot, Kante, and Mason Mount. Yeah, no holding midfielder. No progressive passing midfielder. He's gone for a converted winger, a box-to-box ball winner, and an attacking midfielder as his midfield three. And then he's he's gone Mo Havertz and Mane up front to his credit. But that midfield... If you ever wondered why Gabiog Bonlehore is on TalkSport talking absolute bobbins and not doing coaching badges or working as a manager, this is why. This is why.
0: Um, this, is, this is actually a diamond midfield which has had the number six sent off already.
2: That that's exactly what it is. Fabinho has been sent off from all of the defensive work he's been left to do, and uh, and from having to drop back into Carrie Rüdiger's ridiculously fucking error prone mess of a self. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1. I'm going to go 3-1. I, like I think it. we get one up early. We draw them out. We get a second. Game hits a lull. I think then they hit us and get that, that goal that they'll want and it'll give them something to chase and I think late on, as they chase that equaliser, Trent Long ball finds Diaz raiding on the left. Diaz centres it. And who's there? It's the one and only Divock Origi, on in the 84th minute, to tap home past Kepa, who's glued to his penalty box, terrified that if he comes outside, his family will be kidnapped, or whatever it is he's scared of if he steps inside a six-yard box. And Liverpool win 3-1, and we get six or seven... Nice fist pumps from Kloppel at the end and Thomas Tuchel has a little tear in his eye. Just one, just one little tear in his eye, just for Trev Downey. Uh, That's it then. Is there anything you want to plug before we go? Are you attending the game on Sunday?
0: I'm not. I've got a day off on Sunday. I did try to get uh, a pass, but unfortunately we were denied a third one. So I am going to be lording it up from the sofa and hopefully surrounded by many, many cups of tea. And uh, yes, in terms of, stuff before the game i have a midfield focused preview piece before the game so that'll be out on sunday morning uh, which i hope you'll go and read and that talks an awful lot about the magnificence that we didn't talk about today because it was one of the the lesser decisive things that klopp needs to to choose between which is obviously fabinho tiago so i've spoken about our midfield quite a bit and i also have european stuff if you want to look at outside of cup finals this weekend
2: Sounds good. Make sure you follow Carl on Twitter and make sure you read his work on The Independent. Follow Guy Drinkle at Guy Drinkle. And let me now just take a moment before we leave to implore the Liverpool fan base. This is a direct message from me and my heart right to you guys. If you see Gag's tandon at Wembley, do not allow him in the stadium. The man is a jinx. He's three and four in finals. We've lost four finals he's been at. That's an unacceptable record. Don't let him in the stadium. He's with Harinder and Cam on Sunday. If you see them, just don't let them in. Don't let any of them in. And tell Harinder and Cam they should know better. They should know better. Molly's shouting. She's outraged the thoughts of gags going to this game and us losing. So there you are. We will leave it there, folks. Take care of yourselves and goodbye.